Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s giving the respect to one of the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and the meaning of it all. I'm your host, Wins Burns, and I'm my kind of our save Morris. How's it going, man? It's going. It's going. It's we're not a fan of the bi- bipolar weather. We were talking about that before. No. We're, not, we're not a fan of it. You guys want to know, we're not, Pensacola's acting up. <laughs> Pensacola and surrounding areas are walking. You can hear it in my voice. You can hear it in my voice. It's crazy. But I'm doing good, man. How's everything? That's, that's good, man. It's going really good. And for this episode, we have a lot of topics to get into, as usual. Obviously, we're a week away from the Super Bowl. We're going to get into some thoughts on the conference championships, some NBA topics, the trade deadline coming up, album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of TAR. I'm just starting with just thoughts on Kansas City's thrilling win versus Cincinnati to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, the Chiefs won 23 to 20, you know, even though they were missing three wide receivers injuries. And obviously, like the, the major defining play of this AFC championship was Mahomes, you know, taking off on a, on a third down play near midfield. And after he, he uh, reached the mark he needed, uh, he was also pushed by Joseph Asai. And that brought um, the 15 yard penalty and the ensuing um, um, game winning field goal. But yeah. to you, like, what were your takeaways from the, from the this dramatic finish? And also, you know, how the game was officiated because that there was some controversy with that. There were moments where the Cincinnati could have gotten the ball back, but but drives were extended for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But but what were some of your overall takeaways? I thought it was a mix of bad officiating for sure for both sides. I think they let these guys play in certain areas of the game that really mattered the most. But you can't negate the you know Patrick Mahomes was like three yards out of out of bounds and you pushed a guy. He's already out. He's a, he's one of the yeah. star quarterbacks of the league. Can't do that. He's going to get that Tom Brady treatment. He's going to get the get that call every time, nine times out of ten. So that was a mental error for him. Do not do that. It's crunch time. You're going to protect were, the face of the league. <laughs> exactly. And it was a, a a clear a clear penalty. He's yeah. out of bounds. But out, <clears throat> excuse me. Outside of that, I mean, I thought the game was really really good. Just thinking about it was is a big defensive game. I didn't think they're going to put up put up big points on either side. What I love what the Chiefs did, they rattled Joe Burrow early on. Yes. They were throwing blitzes at him, delayed blitzes, different packages to 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 rattle him a little bit. Yeah. Then what I love about what the Bengals did, they adjusted. They started moving the line, going more uh 50, more man on man. Mm-hmm. More sliding to the cover, sliding to uh, the strong side of the defense. They started actually helping Joe Burrow, and he started settling down and making plays. But I love the, the defense aspect of this game. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, that penalty, I would have called that penalty if I was a referee. I mean, it's blatant. Guy mm-hmm. got pushed out of bounds, three yards out of bounds. So, But I thought it was a great game. I think Joe Burrow has a lot in store in his career, and mm-hmm. we just continue to see Patrick Mahomes under pressure Burrow, like I, I i i know they didn't pull off this win but this was a game of inches like he was really mm. close to pulling it off that fourth and six that he had to jamar chase like and yeah. even that third and 16 um with a minute left like like to you in terms of the fact this is like burrow's third year and mm. he's been in back-to-back afc championships and right. he on the road as well never looks rattled like, like what are your thoughts on just kind of like what what's the next step for him and just you know, how well he's playing this early in his career. I think they made it easy for him, right? So his first year, it was, it was you know, he got injured, didn't really see a full, uh, full uh, ongoing of what we can, what we're going to see from Joe Burrow. Then the second year, his first full year, they go draft Jamar Chase, one of his good buddies, one of wide receivers. They groomed this team <clears throat> for Joe Burrow. 
They got the running backs. They went to go on the defensive side. They they shopped around, got Eli Apple the second year, his fourth, first full year. So they they, mm. they groomed this team for him to be able to get to the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. So I see them continue to do that. That's the beauty about an organization building around a quarterback. And I think he is a franchise quarterback. Obviously, he's been in the Super Bowl his first full year, went to the AFC Championship. Came short because, I mean, you're facing a great quarterback that you beat to go in the Super Bowl last year. But Joe Burrow, the ceiling is, I mean, it's not That's Michael Jordan would say. Michael Jordan would say the ceiling is the roof. Ceiling is the roof. (laughs) It's it's not more that he can can do, really. I mean, he's very, I think, I I love him in the pocket. Mm. He gives his offensive lineman a good chance to, you know, block a little bit. Even though he had a terrible offensive line last year, I think the offensive line definitely improved. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they gave up a bunch of sacks. I mean, Jones and those guys are really good at what they do. But and, and if they if they pay, I, I hope they keep T Higgins. They already they already paid Jamar Chase. Is and then I feel like if he gets another top tight end, and they have those two running backs, P Ryan and Mixon, I think it's 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 set up for him to continue to do what he's doing. He's accurate. He's he, he can extend plays. He's unwavered. Like. There's not much Joe Burrow yeah. can prove or do or get better at. It's just consistency. That's it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have expectations, but I think he's he's more than exceed those expectations of consistency moving forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. And I mean, when you look at it from Kansas City's uh, point of view, like there was a lot of motivation they had in this game. Obviously, Travis Kelsey was talking about the Burrowhead rants and, and and all and all of those things. It was just like. Most of the time, Kansas City is it, they they give the the typical post game press conference about you know you know yeah. we, we you know they were a good team but we outplayed them but this was like there was like a, a lot of like revenge in this and uh, you know a, a lot of revenge playing into this game right, and the yeah. fact that they kind of felt as though you know Cincinnati was was was, was almost like talking too confidently about <laughs> her owning owning it on the road owning what they were doing on the road and the Chiefs just looked. Obviously, like 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 they were able able to pull off this win, but even the mm-hmm. post game, there was like a lot of talk about what they were feeling in terms of the motivation of of beating this team again. Like, how much do you think that played a factor into it? Because obviously, these teams are always going to play at, at an elite at an elite level, <laughs> but when you have the 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 factor of trying to outdo a team that almost is too confident against you, and 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 it, and is and is saying things that you kind of feel as like, hey, it's, it's a little too premature. How much do you think that played into a, to a factor of them winning as well? Oh, that plays a role. You, the game right before the Super Bowl, and then you watch that Super Bowl, <clears throat> and you see the team that beats you get demolished, right? Yeah. Can't, can't run the ball. Had to throw 70, 85% of the time in that game. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow still looked good, but they just got demolished. The Rams was a better team. And you're thinking to yourself, we lost to them. They, they, replaced, they, they went in our place. So this year, they marked that calendar. Like, if we yeah. get down to the situation... We know we have a, a mixed offseason. Tyreek Hill just left. We don't have the top wide receivers. Now we have to be creative. Now we have to get uh, uh, guys in, in the backfield, running backs who can do dual. They love doing that. You mm-hmm. go get Juju. So they, it was a, a mixed thing. But best believe if they got into the playoffs and they met the Bengals, which they did, they was like, okay, this is our vendetta. We yeah. have to show them why they should never have been in the Super Bowl last year. So – I think that definitely fueled, but it's, it wasn't the focal point. Then you have a banged-up quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that you don't know if he's going to finish the game or is what's going to happen. He's going to tweak his ankle more. 
But I think that that was the foundation of it. We can't let this team beat us to go back to the Super Bowl. But right. I think other things fueled them to to be able to just you know pull it out. And obviously the the last play came down to the wire with the with the penalty. So you could tell how good both of these teams were playing that game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting into the Eagles' dominant and NFC Championship win, and also just you know the amount of injuries the 49ers went through. Philadelphia won thirty-one to seven at home, and obviously the biggest story for San Francisco was them losing Brock Purdy and then Josh Johnson, the injuries, and the Eagles' defense had had a stellar performance with you know their pass rushers creating pressure at a, at a remarkable rate. And Javon um Hargrave won fifty percent of his twelve um of his twelve pass rushing snaps in routes of four pressures, and this is a game where like we both were felt as though these were probably like the, the two best teams in the NFC. Yeah. Um, the Eagles have been dominant all year. Brock Purdy was playing really well for San Francisco, but this wasn't the matchup. It, this, this wasn't the way I think anybody expected this to play no. out with, with Purdy going out in the backup. And then uh, uh-uh. Christian McCaffrey <laughs> having to be in there. Like, it was just like, who can we put in at, at quarterback when all of our quarterbacks are, are, are gone? Like, what were your thoughts on, on, on this, on this win for Philadelphia and also just kind of like the bizarre nature of how the game played out? What kind of bad juju does this team has with quarterback situations? <laughs> it, you know, it, it was a crazy season for them. Well, I didn't think they were going to even make it to this point, but they went on a crazy winning streak, yeah. obviously, um, at the hands of uh, Purdy. But you look at, you know, the star quarterback, Trey Lance, goes down. Then the backup quarterback, who has a lot of incentives, <laughs> goes down to Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you get to this NFC Championship game and the third-string quarterback, who you've gotten extremely better behind. Pass percentage goes up. Yards goes up. Running yards goes up. Touchdown goes up. Points per game goes up. All these things that a third-string quarterback normally doesn't do or get yeah. a chance to do, he's doing it full-on, right? And then he goes down. He hurts his 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 shoulder, throwing shoulder. And then your fourth string. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> who just flew in on Spirit to get to the game. <laughs> flew on Spirit Airlines to get to the game. Oh, oh I get the dress out, goes down. It's mm. it's not an ideal situation, but mm. even if I think if Purdy was fully healthy, I think it would have been a ball game. It to would be have. honest with yeah. you, it would have been a ball game because I think he brings that different play calling element to it that he can do all the things and then get Christian McCaffrey in space. But I do think Eagles would have still have won. That, and that's, that's how I feel too. I feel as though this would have been a much closer game if Purdy would have stayed yeah. in, but Philadelphia would have still had the edge. Yeah, because Jalen Hurts looked good. That defense looked really, really good. I mean... To, to be able to touch him and, and get that injury, that means he had pressure and he was getting a hit. So I think that would have been a continuation of things because they mix up their blitzes, they mix up their defensive packages. They would have made Purdy very uncomfortable back there, which they did early and often, and that's how he got injured. So hats off to that defense. Hats off to Jalen Hurts, man. He was he was on yeah. point, accurate. He he didn't rattle. I mean, I love this guy's story and what all he's accomplished. It's, it's so hard not to root for him, man. It's just yeah, yeah, really, really likable guy. And I'm gonna say this right now, Alabama. No, you cannot claim Jalen Hurts. That's you exactly what not. I was gonna ask. <laughs> we were like, oh, so you guys are claiming him now, but let him go to Oklahoma. <laughs> right. You did not develop Jalen no. Hurts. You had Jalen Hurts stagnant with your offensive play calling. The biggest place he got was rollout bootlegs and a couple slant routes, just yeah. mediocre play calling, right? Then he gets to Oklahoma. 
They believed in him. They gave him a full playbook and see what he did. So, and then they they count him out. <laughs> a lot of people counted him out with the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's neither here nor there. What a, what a story. Jalen Hurts, go get you a Super Bowl, man. Go get that Super Bowl. Silence all the haters. And now they're going to be on your bandwagon bus with popcorn and and, and, and rattles with beads in it and milk cartons with beads in it. Just... <laughs> But yeah, but you, as a as a uh, spectator, I did not expect both quarterbacks to go down. And Christian McCaffrey no. has to go in there and try to save the day. Th- yeah, <laughs> save the day, which he definitely did do. But that's crazy. Um, and, and, and now getting into, into to thoughts on, on Tom Brady's second retirement announcement. This past Wednesday, Brady decided to, to announce he, he's he's leaving the game after kind of a storied twenty three uh, um year NFL career, during which he won seven Super Bowls and set numerous records. Um, he's also set to, to start broadcasting with Fox Sports next year and has already agreed to mm-hmm. a 10-year contract worth $375 million. But uh, what are your thoughts on this announcement from Brady? Because obviously this is this this last season, we all saw like how different it was for Tampa Bay. Obviously, you know, things he, he was going with off the field. There were just so many insinuating circumstances that didn't make this feel like a, like a typical year for Brady. But how, like, how, how do you feel about the way, he, you know, he went out and, and also just like, you know, the way the season played out for Tampa Bay. You know, you don't get another uh, rollout red carpet after you retire a second time, man. You're like all these older gents that say they got retired with 40 years working at us something, and then they get a job in two years, right? Mm-hmm. And then they re-retire. You don't get a re-retire party, bro. <laughs> Go into the sunset where the beach where you were, and I think that video was definitely... um he did that video before because oh, yeah. he was at a movie premiere, his movie premiere. And uh, it didn't add in, up. In the, the, the location didn't add up. <laughs> yeah, he did that beforehand because he was at a movie, his movie premiere that was uh, that was showing. Of, um, I forgot what it's called, but he was at a movie premiere. Mm-hmm. And I think he did that beforehand. And then that sand he was at is going for $90,000 on eBay. This is insane, bro. That's insane. <laughs> if he cut off his toe, I think that'll go for two billion. I don't even. This is the toe he threw all those touchdowns in the Super Bowl on <laughs> in the bio. But man, I mean, obviously one of the, the greatest quarterback ever, one of the greatest players ever to set foot on the, the football field. We gave you your flowers. You get one rose this time. That's what. And this, I, even even the second announcement, people were just kind of like, "We did this okay. last year." We did this last yeah. year. Like we gave you all your flowers last year. We can't do it again. Like, like oh, we, we, we know get you it. <laughs> we get it. You're good. We yeah. get it. Like now we you could just go. Let's hear Podcast you it. transition. I hope they get Greg Olson a fair shake because he stepped in that role because it was anticipating Tom Brady be retired mm-hmm. and that was supposed to be his position. I hope they give Greg Olson a fair shake because he did a phenomenal this year. He did a great job. He's done good. Yeah. He did really good this year. So. Yeah, greatest of all time, first battle of Hall of Famer. Go, you know, transition. I don't think he'll be on air that much, Tom Brady. I don't think he'll be on air that much. I think he'll be in, in um in the studio most times or doing like a remote something. Like I don't think he will be doing that for ten years. I don't think. I, don't it, think, I think it's some tweaks in the contract. It's very different with him and Peyton because Peyton Manning is like a natural like <laughs> rock, rock, like Jeez. even with what he does Monday nights with Eli, he kind of fits more yeah. to that post because I feel like. Even we, we see with inside the NBA with like Shaq, um, 
uh, um, uh, Chuck and Kenny, like there are some players, even Draymond Green, they fit naturally mm-hmm. in that broadcasting role. Like after the game, can, can you kind of tell like when certain players like, hey, like they're going to fit better in that, like that broadcasting role and just kind of have that presence afterwards and not just kind of be a one dimensional um, type, type, type of person? No, it's some guys that surprise you, really. Uh, Tony Romo really surprised me. I think his football IQ, it really helps him. Uh, it when it, when so it comes well to broadcasting, and I think Nance really cares him as well. And Nance is a prima donna. I've I've, I've heard so much about Nance uh, as a broadcaster, but he's he's old school. He's been in the game for a long time, but I do think he carries and helps Tony Romo. But if Tony Romo didn't have the football IQ, I don't think he would be a good broadcaster. But I think Tom Brady will be fine. I think he has that banter. He's a funny guy, and football IQ. Obviously, he knows he's he has the same football IQ or even better than Tony Romo. I think he'll fit well in the position, even if he does anything like remotely or what, like, you know, Peyton and Eli does. And I think Peyton more so, like you said, fits into that role because he's funny. He's done SNL. He's done skits and stuff like this. And then Eli, you know, he fits because he has a weird personality and weird sense of humor as well. But I think Tom Brady would be funny. Just interact even on the golf course. With yeah. those guys and just like I think he has that banter. You just need banter, you need football IQ, and just be able to talk. You look like you look at Greg Mc uh um McEroy or McEroy, quarterback uh for uh yeah, for who used to be the quarterback for uh Alabama. What a what a commentator. Awesome, has yeah. the voice, IQ, banter. He's weirdly funny as well. So it's that's still the, the things that you need to be on an air, like a you know, on air analyst. Mm. And yeah. So there's is a is a bunch of guys that surprise you and some guys that you're like, okay, get the mic from this dude. What are we doing? <laughs> so but I think Tom Brady would be fine though. Yeah, absolutely. Um and now getting into Sean Payne's new coaching uh, des- destination with, with with the Denver Broncos. Um, the Broncos form, formally announced Payton as the team's new coach on Friday, and this is going to be a five-year contract. He's now replacing uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who was um, fired December 26, just just 15 games into his first year with the team. And obviously with the Broncos, like, you know, it, it's w- in their first year with Russell Wilson, um, went through, th- through an extremely tough season. And Sean Payton, he's worked with, obviously, in, um, a Hall of Fame legendary quarterback in Drew Brees and mm-hmm. works works really well with quarterbacks. Like, how do you feel as though, like, this fit is going to work with him. Cause I think we even mentioned with, when Mr. Johnny was on that Sean Payton was another one of those coaches that was lurking in the, like in, in the scenes of possibly being that next guy to get an NFL gig. And, right. and now he's got one with, with, uh, with, a obviously a hall of fame future quarterback in Russell Wilson. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, I, I got some information during the senior bowl and I love Uh-oh. going to the senior bowl. You get, you get around these analysts like Charles Davis, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, DJ, Andrew uh, Siciliano, Tom mm. Pilisario. You you get to shoot in the jaw and just listen to conversations. And I'm and I'm sure they're not gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> but you know what we talked about, and I want you to clip this when we when this drops and put it on the social media. Jim Harborough mm-hmm. wanted that Denver job. Oh my goodness. All those things he was doing. Yeah. Talking about like he loves, you know, the big blue, whatever. He wanted the Denver job. They were talking pretty much every day. And then wow. something happened where it, obviously it did happen. Yeah. And then they wanted D'Amico Demar- De- Ryans mm. as a head coach. But he got pitched from Houston. And then they went and got Sean Payton. Wow. Sean Payton was the third choice. 
right? So he probably needed the money first yeah. and foremost, and then he's going to have to really debunk everything that Russell Wilson has done. Russell mm. Wilson is a prima donna. This guy, I like Russ. After this, I didn't even like Russell Wilson, man. So this is why the team, his, his teammates really don't like him. He's separate from everybody. He has his own office. That's real. He has his own office. Man. He has a quarterback coach that has an office in the building as well, which was one of these backup quarterbacks he had at Seattle. And he has his own uh, shake shake person. You know how you get protein shakes and yeah, stuff for the yeah. trainers? Mm-hmm. He has somebody in the facility just for that. He doesn't... It's like certain things he doesn't want to do. With the team. He's just... Yeah. And you, you see why it's division, and now we see why it's division. Now we see why a player was like, bro, like... And you play horrible. You're, you're overweight. You was 30 pounds overweight this year. So it's, it's a lot of things he's going to have to, yo, that's old administration. Mm. We're not doing that. That quarterback coach got to go. You don't need an office that has to go. They don't have first round picks. They don't have second round picks. They gave everything up for Sean Payton. So now you have to go into the offseason with free agency and impossibly trade deadlines when the season starts. So you are on a fixed income. And right. he's going to get it right. So he's going into a situation where I have to make this Super Bowl quarterback who's prima donna to get back to football, get back to that guy who's coming out of NC State, who everybody was like, I don't know about this kid. He's 5'10", 5'11". We don't know what he's going to do with Seattle. Then he shocks right. everyone. We need that Russell Wilson. So Payton has his has hands full. Because now he has to get morale back up. He has to debunk a whole administration that was catering to Russell Wilson. And yeah, man, it's going to be a much tougher situation than, than it seems on paper. I did not know yeah. all of that. Did not know. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, bro. It, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more going in there. So I, was, I had to sign an NDA, uh, a verbal NDA. So, um, which is crazy, man. And you get all that information. I'm like, yo, this man. is why I missed this. <laughs> this is why I've just been around this. But no, man, it's, he has his, his work cut out for him. But mm-hmm. I think Sean Payne, if anybody, I think he could do it. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's one of the things, like, everybody feels <clears> as though if there's a if there's a coach who can, who can do that. Like, when a coach is out for a year, though, and it, it, it's just broadcasting, and obviously, like, with Sean Payne, there were always rumors about, like, he probably will get back into the coaching gig. Like, do you feel as though when coaches are out for a year, it's kind of that, it's kind of a struggle to, like, you're enjoying you know, some time off, but you still kind of have that itch. Like when the season is going on and you're talking about these games that you really want to get back into that, into that, into that routine. Yeah. And I think this was his plan all along. I think he wanted something different from new Orleans. Right. Mm. I think he wanted to, to be somewhere else. And he had to sit, he set out a year. It was potentially going to set out a second year. If everything worked out either for Jim Harborough or they'd have got D'Amico Ryans, but now he gets his opportunity to get back and get acclimated back to the game. But I do think he, now he has the opportunity that came out a heavy cost to be right. able to uh, coach another team. But I think, yeah, cause he did it before when it was like doing those bounties and stuff at, um, at the New Orleans Saints and he coached his son's football team, which I thought was not true, but it was actually true. And they made yeah. a movie out of it, which was super crazy. So I think he's, he's, he's done this before he's used to it now. <clears throat> okay. I want to get back. Okay. I think I have more to bring to the game. Yeah. Cause if you, if you retire 
I'm like, okay. Cause he didn't retire that time. He had to take, take a break. But if you retire and you say, man, I think I could bring something back to the game. And I think that's what Tom Brady said. Like I have more, I just have a little more to bring to the game of football, but Sean Payton, man, you have your work cut out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Things aren't always as they seem. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and, and now transitioning to the NBA, uh, the, obviously the, the breaking news this past Friday with, with Kyrie um, demanding a trade before the deadline and thoughts on this news. Um, and, and this was obviously not what many were expecting with how well the Nets have been playing recently. And this was mm-hmm. made after talks about a new contract, um, you know, not going to his liking. And this signals an in- ending to his tenure with the franchise either then or, or after the season ends. But I mean, like, this is the Nets are fourth in the East. Um, having winning multiple games without KD, Kyrie was was averaging near thirty, and this it came it came this past Friday came really came out of nowhere. Nobody right, was really yeah, no. think, nobody was really thinking like that was going to be the demand. Obviously, this was a a trade deadline that is going to have a lot of a lot of moves made by by elite teams because there's no clear cut favorite. But what were your, your thoughts on this on this request for from Kyrie and also just you know all of the suitors, because obviously the Lakers are, are mentioned, the Mavericks, the Clippers, yeah. the Heat. There's going to be a lot of suitors that are teams that can try to, you know, possibly be, be legit contenders. Yeah, that, I remember it popping up on my phone, and I'm like, Kyrie. And I, and I get it. I get it. I get it, because I think he said something he had in his clause, like, they don't win a championship in so many years, and he, he's out of there, he's right? Out. So So I understand that. So that's Obviously, we the public doesn't know the the confines of his contract and incentives that's in his contract. So I understand it, especially they didn't have his back when this you know this anti-Semitic whatever rhetoric was out there. They try to chastise him for something he really didn't do. So I understand it. Like that was the last straw. Like okay, we're not. I don't see us winning the championship. KD's not back. He's we don't know when he's going to get back. Um, I'm playing lights out, and we're still losing. So this is not a championship team. And I understand at this point in your career, you made all the money, you're chasing championships, right? So, and then in my contract, I had this in my contract, so you need to trade me. So I understand it, um, but it's a, I just want him to play basketball. The next team you go to, bro, it has to be the team you retire from. Mm -hmm. You can't keep bouncing around. Cavs, Celtics, Brooklyn, didn't play mostly in Brooklyn. Right. Now you want to get traded. So you this this next team this you next move, have yeah, to it's gotta, it's stay. Gotta be permanent. It's gotta be permanent. Because if Kobe is your idol, you're not doing uh doing pretty good. <laughs> Kobe not stayed really well. He got drafted. <laughs> Obviously, he got drafted, but that really doesn't count. But he stayed. He right. was with the Lakers for rain, sleet, snow, terrible mm-hmm. years, good years, great years. So the next team All he goes to, he has to stay. Yeah. So, but. I think there's a, obviously there's a couple teams. I like it with the Suns. Mm. Um, they'll give up. I think they'll give up, you know, some good players. And I think Boston, not Boston, but Brooklyn will get a great players. I think they should get DeAndre Anton. If you if you're gonna you're gonna trade Kyrie, that'll that'll be a good one. And maybe like two <clears throat> rotational players. Right. And maybe a first round, first round draft pick or two first round draft picks. I think that's really good. Because you're gonna get you know, Kyrie on the front and backcourt that helped Devin Booker <clears throat> keep Chris Paul. Chris Paul should not be in that deal. If you have those three, I think they could work out. They're obviously they're shorter guys, but I think that I think they can do damage for sure. Um, and then Lakers. Lakers don't have the money, but they'll figure it out. 
<laughs> yeah, they'll figure that out. <laughs> they're like, if we can get Kyrie, we're going. <laughs> they don't figure. They sitting Patrick. They're sitting. Uh... <laughs> oh, they said everybody. They might see AD over there. <laughs> and I think that'll be a good choice. They're like, hey man, if you can't stay healthy, like, hey, we'll just. Yeah, we got to get rid of you because your contract yeah. is coming up anyway. So I, I, I think Kyrie is a better investment than AD because AD has not been there since the bubble, right? He hasn't shown up since the bubble. <clears throat> but no, I think Lakers and the Suns where he'll do the most damage. And I think he'll stay put, right? Yeah, he and he wants to be in a city like LA. Like, that, yeah. that, that that's... Because even... I feel as though, even though this was... Even though this may have not happened during the season, it might have happened... Mm-hmm. It probably would happen during the summer. Because Kyrie yeah, was going to no. end up in a, in a big market eventually. Like, he, mm-hmm. like he, he, he had been wanting this. Um... But also in terms of like other teams that can make moves um, outside of the ones we've mentioned before the trade deadline, is there a team that you feel as though is like that is competing that kind of needs like that that extra push or that extra um, acquisition to really to really make some noise during the postseason? I think <clears throat> Utah. <clears throat> Excuse me, wow. Utah. I was going to say the Knicks, but if he doesn't want to be with Brooklyn, I don't think that'll be a good fit. I think. Uh, New York does have the uh the money in the cap space to be able to go get, you know, Kyrie Irving. But does he want to stay in New York? Right? Does he <laughs> yeah. want to go to that young team with Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, some other rotational guys? Jaylen he'll Brunson. be the guy. Jalen Brunson. He'll be the guy. But I don't think he wants to be in New York anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other other team I can think of is Utah Jazz. Utah looks really good. Colin mm-hmm. Sexton is there. There. Um, you have um. Mr. Throw him up himself. <laughs> I forgot his name though, man. Oh, shoot. He was the comeback player of the year one year. Um, Jeez. But I forgot his name. But no, I think Utah Jazz can utilize him. They they need that missing piece, you know. Donovan Mitchell went over there for the you know in the trade to the to the Cavaliers, and I think he'll he'll fit well. I think. He could be able to to make damage there. Those are three teams I think he could do damage at. Lakers, um, Suns, and Utah Jazz. And Utah Jazz is still going to come up. I think they they obviously have to still have the, those young guys. But I think he – oh, I just Clippers almost called his – Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Arson, Jordan Clarkson, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Throw him up himself. Want to fight everybody. But the Clippers, who, who, the Clippers who, want him too. No. Because – No. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. But what I'm saying is – the one and JJ Reddick mentioned this. The one missing piece that the Clippers don't have is solid guard play because Reggie Jackson has been inconsistent. And if you put Kyrie in there, you do have an elite guard. And and I, and I think for but because John will John Wall he's been in and out. He's been in and out. He hasn't been as as, as healthy this season. But that also puts into play of is that the LA team you really want to be at? You know what I mean? Because because that that's and and I, and I don't think the Clippers would be the pick that that he would want to make. He doesn't want to play. I mean, it's not Even his choice. Tyron Lue, he, he, he won a championship with yeah. Tyron Lue. There's familiarity there. So, I mean, it's not his choice, obviously. I mean, the organization is going to send him to wherever the more yeah. lucrative deal is. But I don't think he wants to play with Kawhi. I don't think he wants to play with PG. And, and, and frankly, I wouldn't want to play with those guys either because they can't win. Right. He wants to win a championship. I was, Does I he was, come... I was watching that 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 game uh, this past Thursday night with them against Milwaukee. They're up for the majority of the game. The last five minutes, though, it's just isolation ball with they the Clippers. Finish. Just, that's what I'm saying. I was just like, that's why I can't buy into this team because you build up big leads, but literally the last play that they drew up was just a quiet isolation play, and they didn't they didn't convert. 
because it's just no. it, it's a, it becomes a predictable offense in the in the last yes. three or five minutes of the game. And Kawhi's not clutch like that. Everybody thinks about this this play when he shoots it and it bounces and bounces and <laughs> it goes in. No, do you know God had a he blew six the ball in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wellington, that's funny, man. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> bro, that's so funny. That's hilarious, bro. That's funny. But no, he he's not clutch like that, man. And I went if if I'm Kyrie, I I don't want to go there. It's either going to be the Lakers, Suns, and Utah Jazz got a, a fighting chance because they they have the most space. They have the yeah. most cap space. You got to look at teams who got space. Yeah. yeah, but they can't give them nothing for them though. So that's the only thing. Utah don't have enough lucrative players to 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 tice Brooklyn to send them there. So that's the only that's the downside. only hiccup. Well, yeah, well that's a big hiccup in yeah, downside, it's a huge so. one. <laughs> but they got um, the space for them. <laughs> um, but 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 now getting into obviously th- this was a play that that was mentioned a lot uh, earlier this week. Um, LeBron's no call at the end of, end of the Boston game uh, last Saturday. The, the no call in question came with the game tied at 105 with 4.1 seconds remaining regulation um, on, Le- on LeBron James' drive for the potential game-winning layup. Tatum initiated contact with James' arm, which resulted in a miss. Um, the contact, you know, was clearly seen and heard, but but um, no foul was called. Darvin Ham also said this has been like the fourth game recently for the Lakers where it was kind of swayed by late game officiating. But uh, what were your thoughts on, on the end of, end of that game? I mean. It was very clear what had happened. It was a game that the Lakers should have won. And <clears throat> obviously, it just, it just was like the, the league admitted, the refs admitted after. It, it was a yep. blown call. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, and I like what Schroeder said. Dennis Schroeder said, like, man, these these referees need to get, you know, fined for their, their mishaps because yeah. that changes the it's game. changes the game. And then you look at, like, five or six games where the referees were the decision decision. Well, that was the factor the why factor. the Lakers, yeah. the deciding factor, thank you, yeah. why the Lakers lost, right? So that yeah. was a blatant foul <clears throat> right on the wrist. He knocks those free throws down. They win that game. Obviously, they win overtime. You still have a chance, but that would never happen to, to, to go into overtime if those, what, that foul was called and those free throws were knocked down. Which were they going to, which were they going to, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it's a, no, you're good. Which they were. Wish they, they were, were. going to be knocked down. I don't know. My, my jawbone just said, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, because he's he's a prolific free throw shooter. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, th- those calls, th- seven games, they're top five, man. They're, they're still in the hunt. Lakers yeah. is st- will be still in the hunt if those games were, you know, officiated correctly. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can't leave that to the hands of officiating. Right. So there's still some flaws with the Lakers, but that game in those seven other games, definitely, man, the, the officiating has been boo-boo this year. And they've been uh tech happy. Oh yeah. Tech happy, happy, happy. So you're calling terrible games. Now you're teching people for throwing a mouthpiece. Literally just and then we have Austin Rivers and Mo Bamba getting into <laughs> oh, that was ball. like that was so weak, bro. The thumbnail show I thought he threw a punch. He would just that's like what I'm mm, yeah, that's all it was. It was just <laughs> they were doing interpretive dancing. That's all it was. 
doing interpreted dance. So that's all it's we're all doing, music. man. <laughs> <laughs> man, crazy. But they need to do better. Officiating has to take repercussions for the missed oh, calls yeah. they have, man. And then stop teching people. We grown men out here. I could talk to you. That's the Shoot. difference between 90s, 80s. I mean, like, back then, the refs were, were not going to blow, we're not going to make calls like that. You know, it, it was going to have to get to, to a really, you know, extreme point for anything to happen. But also, like, when we look at with what LeBron's about to do, about to break the all-time scoring record, um, either uh, Tuesday against the, the Thunder or maybe Thursday against Milwaukee, like, what are your thoughts on that about to happen? Because, I mean, that is a record, you know, set by Kareem that's one of, I don't think many people thought it was ever going to get broken. Right. Um, but in terms of just, just like what he's been able to do in his career, and obviously this this year particularly, because this is this is an that has been another amazing season for LeBron at thirty eight. You know, you, you yes. can say whatever you want about the team, but this is I think it's just going to go down as one of one of his best seasons ever. But but what are your thoughts on what he's been doing this year and him about to break that historic historical record? When he passes record, which is has been set for over thirty years, mm. he's the goat. No questions about it. He's top 10 in every category you could think yeah. of. He has more than three championship rings. More Along than two MVPs. Yes, more than two MVPs, league MVPs, all-star guy. Like, bro, there's nothing. Assists, rebounds, blocks. Yeah, any, any, any category you want, he's, he said it. GOAT! Yeah. What more? And his sons are better than his sons. <laughs> He's the GOAT, bro. Yeah. When he passes, I don't want to hear no more debates. He's the GOAT. Greatest of all time. Not the greatest career. Greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Let's put some respect on it. He's 38, still balling like he's 21. Well, 28. <laughs> 21. <laughs> Do you realize how long LeBron has been in the NBA? Yeah. I, I, I literally saw one of the players come up to him and say, like, hey, you were, you were playing when my dad was in the league. <laughs> yes, bro. Bro, don't make me feel that old, man. But I'm like, that's like, what you've been in the league since you were 18. Yeah. And you were a star. You were the best player on your team at 18. You put LeBron on any one of these contending teams, they're automatically winning the championship. championship. Any, any, any of the top teams. And, and that's why it's not like he would be like an assist player, a role player. No, he would be the best player on that team. Yes. Like that's, that's how good LeBron's playing. At 38, he's still going to be the number one option on any contending team. And he does, if, if that happens, he doesn't mind being just yeah. a facilitator. He doesn't mind and that. He's going to make the right basketball play. Exactly. Unless the bunk that he's not clutch, he doesn't have that... Uh, Kill him instinct, right. bro. If you're about to pass Kareem Abdul Jabbar, mm-hmm. don't you think you have a killer instinct to score that many points? That's what I'm saying, like you're you're not if if every if what everybody's saying, which I've heard for years, even back to his Miami days, they didn't have the killer instinct. You wouldn't be scoring that much. You would be you would be extremely far. You wouldn't even be close to that scoring record if you didn't if you didn't have the killer instinct and wanted to score. Like he's He's scoring, but it's just not when people are wanting it. 
Exactly. I'm glad you <laughs> said that. You look at the two guys they say who had the, the most killer instinct, and they two they're the same person. You know what I'm about to say, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Right. Their killer instinct was different. A lot of ISO, a lot of I get the ball in my hands, blah, 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 blah. Right. LeBron's killer instinct is with his facilitation. Mm-hmm. With his 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 I his uh NBA IQ and right. with his shooting ability. Like and his ability to finish at the rim. He has all of those killer instincts. Killer instinct is not just one thing. It's multiple things. So people don't I'd realize that. I'd say killer instinct that. is also putting up one of the greatest blocks of all time in, in finals history. Yes. You know what I mean? That's killer yes. instinct as well, you know? Yes. It, that's what It's just not scoring, scoring. people. <laughs> killer instinct is everything that you do in basketball. Killer instinct of a sit, bro. One of the best facilitators ever, bro. Oh, yeah. And still gets 30, 40. That's what I'm saying. The versatility is unmatched. Yeah, bro. You know, Great. Being, Go, in, bro. Being, in, being in the Magic Johnson category, then being in the Kareem category, like that's that's tough to pull off. Come it's, on, it's man. Extremely tough. Did it um, clean the whole time he was in the NBA? Yeah. No off, no off, no gambling like I mean, Michael his Jordan. His record is as clean as possible, man, when you look at it. No I mean, cheating he, like Kobe. This is, this is, he's, <laughs> you trying to move away out of the camera. <laughs> so I don't want any shots. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> Clean. Just give that man his, his, his flowers, bro. Cause once, once Bronny gets in a West Calm, it's no more LeBron. He going to play for two years. It's no more LeBron. I'm telling you, there's going to be, there's going to be one year where LeBron's no longer in the league and people are going to be like, man, I, I miss watching LeBron play. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to better be a general manager too. Yeah, for sure. He better be a general manager. Definitely. Um, and now getting into our first album review with Lil Yachty's Let's Start Here. Um, in his new album, it was intended to be a position as a, as a grand reset. There's, you know, a lot of expansive soundscapes in here with experimental jazz and psychedelic rock. Um, and, and this this has been an album that, that has been talked about a lot the, the last couple of weeks. It, it's one that you wouldn't expect to hear from, from, from Lil Yachty because of, 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 of the type of sound he's usually into. And like going through it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of songs on here that, that I find really interesting because it's not, it's not the, the 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 traditional type of hip hop album that I would have expected from Lil Yachty, but I think I, I like how he kind of experimented in, in, into some things. And it's not obviously it's not an album for everybody, but it's one where he really tries to delve into a genre that I don't think he'd ever we'd ever thought he, he would get into. But but what were some of your initial initial thoughts on this album? I would never be a, a big Lil Yachty fan, man. But if you want to go alternate, that's cool, bro. That's cool. You got all the tunes and stuff to help you with that. But this was trash. This was too. This was Friday pickup, bro. On my side, it was the time they pick up trash on Fridays. Yep, he was in there. He was in there. He got picked up on Friday. This was trash, uh, bro. No, I I, I commend you for trying, bro. I really commend this this body of work. Yeah. But I did not enjoy this mm. at all. That's this, all I'm gonna say. This was not that. no no, I I I feel I I completely get it because it's it's interesting because so many people have like because I like I I've heard some people, a lot of hip hop fans that, that say they just didn't connect with it. But then others are Praising it as an album that was, you know, forward thinking, one that was that, that that's ahead of its time, because because it's forward a fifty fifty split. Then no, I, I'm just saying what 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 people what people have said because when yeah. I look at it, 
the instrumentation, the pr- the production of the album, I really enjoyed a lot. I do think voc- it, it was vocally probably made for a different artist. I, I, I you know, if, if there was somebody else you wanted wanted to put into it. Um, but to you, is it just? It, it, do you kind of feel as though it's just the project where, like like we said, it's gonna be you're either into the vibe or it's just like this just wasn't made for me. Was it made for me? I mean, I think it was a, if it was a different artist who's done that before. Well, no, nah, I didn't really like the production of it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the vibe of it. I don't know. It was just weird, bro. And then just imagine it was, this is little Yachty. Like if you close your eyes and somebody said, I'm going to play you an album, guess who the artist is? You think you would have guessed Lil Yanni? Mm-mm. Okay, then he should yeah. never did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do, do, bro. This do you one... just like do you? And this is a big, better question. Do you just not like when when hip hop artists try something that's just outside of hip hop? Because like, hey, since... no, well, it's it. No, don't you do that. Don't no, you no, start I'm that. Asking, I'm, I'm just asking. That I'm just asking. I'm just asking because I've seen a bit of a trend when hip hop artists just say, "I don't want to make a bit of a trend." No, bro, that is not come the on, case. Come man. on, man. I'm, bro, I've, I've never I've noticed a... that. I've noticed, noticed that. that. I've noticed Cap. that. You, know, you hated on that. Cap. Honestly, never mind. Dance album that was fire. Mm. Whoa, that was <laughs> hakaboo. What are you talking about, man? No, I, I don't think it's because when artists like you know mixes up. I, I, you know, I like when artists do that. But I've never been a little yachty fan. And what okay. made him so popular and big was his his weirdness to do something different. He'll say that, like, you got to do something different. You got to wear your head different. You got to do something different to get a t- get attention. And it, because his music was a, bro, I'm not listening to that, bro. Weird music. I want this for a life, bro. I'm not listening to that, bro. So he had that <laughs> fan base. So then he do, yeah, bro. Yeah, nah, bro. It's, Anything he could have done his ABCs like Gracie Corner, I still would have been like, This is trash. So <laughs> I don't know, man. But I don't like that narrative, Wellington. We go, we have to talk about this, brother. Speaker Box Love Below by Andre 3000 was different, right? Wasn't it? That was that was that was a different, that was different type of sound and music with 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 Andre Andre 3000 with, with Big Boy and Andre 3000. Like the second half of that, there was there were there were sounds by Outcast that that was different for hip hop. That Bro, wasn't like traditional hip hop. I, I I love that you mentioned this. This is this is this is why that's that this point or your your argument doesn't go with this. Those were two separate albums. The last does less have Andre's album mm-hmm. was his was going to be a solo album. I still hate that we never got a, a full solo Andre album. Man. Yeah, that was going to be it. It was supposed to be for a movie. Then uh, it was like, okay, no, we're, we it's not time for a solo album. Then Big Boy went on and recorded his half, and they put mm, it together and called it Speaker Boss and Low and Love, whatever love, that crap was. Love, love. Yeah, yeah, that's when they did that. So no, 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 no. And then Outkast always did different music. Like Andre, I thought Andre Three Thousand was a singer for for a long time when Man, I was. Then younger. we found out he's one of the best rappers we ever ever had. You better say it again. <laughs> that boy smooth as butter. <laughs> and bad for you too. But no, man. Yeah. So I don't know. Look, yeah. But look, y'all ain't hip hop. Tyler even said that's the one the one reason he won't put Andre 3000 as his greatest rapper ever because he didn't have one solo album. That's and I feel as though if he if he had one full solo album, we would have really been able to see what he what he could just 
he was an artist without any any collaboration. But he he carried Outcast. Yeah. He, all those know, he really ideas, did. yeah, yeah, really all those did. ideas and things came from Andre. You could tell by the 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 the, the DNA that's in the music, like mm-hmm. the singing, the hooks. Man, da, 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 da. you think Big Boy came over singing oh, no. along? Like, bro, come on, man. You think Big Boy came over? That's Andre. Hey, that's Andre, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can tell all that music. Ha ha, bounce that foot. Everybody get to the bro. That's, that's Andre. Andre. That's his imprint. So, yeah, yeah man. I, I get what Tyler's saying, but man. That solo album, no so big is in big is in my top five. He only had like one and two. a half solo two. Yeah, golden. Right. Yeah. Just imagine if he had a full because he full discography. So yeah, bro, that's um, what he, yeah. What would it be like if he's still alive? But yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and now getting into Ruben Vincent's love, love, uh, love and War review. Um, in his debut album, featuring appearances and production from Ninth Wonder, Young Guru, The Soul Council, and Reason. Um, this explores love and relationships in their many forms. Um, Ruben honed his skills and, and, and just you know showed how to weave them with his perspective, creating an ambitious effort worthy of discussion. And, and I thought like the the things he was talking about in the production and the collaborations he had on here was was really great for a, a debut album to, to, to really start off what he's going to do in his career. But um, what were some of your initial thoughts and takeaways from this project? Production crazy. He has some crazy beats on here. He has some, some, some crazy, crazy beats. I love the, the beat selection, especially the first three. Those were so funky. And his, his voice was, yeah, he got a, He has a nice, he has a nice voice, nice, nice cadence, nice, nice. Like, you know, he checks boxes yeah, as a rapper. That's, that's, that's another thing that that that's, that that stood out to me for this project. He check he checks the boxes and he's versatile. Um, I like the some of the B selection was was different. Then he switches up in the middle. And then I had to tell Lenny he, he switches up again. So I love the versatility in the B production that he can fit on every beat. That it doesn't feel like there he's forcing himself to get onto it, and he's finding different melodies and different different ways to just uh gel with the beat mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I think his vocals was really good. Yeah, I thought this was very solid. Very, very solid. I really never good. heard of him. Ruben Vincent. Once again, Wellington with the we get Wellington's flowers. Yeah, because I never heard of it. And then when I saw Reason on the on the uh, I knew you were gonna be so after that. I knew you were gonna be smart after that. <laughs> I'm going to listen. <laughs> but now nah, this was this was fire, man. Yeah. I love the concept. Um, the concept too, because when you have a debut album, I feel like you have to have a strong concept, and I think yeah. that the fact that he had one concept that he focused on throughout the project was was another plus. Yeah, I thought it. Yeah, I think this was very solid uh, debut album. Yeah, and he didn't like. Wow, it wasn't like a oh my gosh, what an album! I think now you set your set in this, yeah a jump start now. Okay, this is where I can go. Like yeah. his 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 future is bright. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we, we, I think we talked about that too about you know people doing debut albums and going crazy. Like we always talk about SZA debut album, mm-hmm. and then how would she top that? Like, what would you do? We talked about Bryson Tiller's debut that's album. Also, that's also the tough thing because it's just like when you put out an amazing debut album, you're you're really having to kind of like mm-hmm. do the thing of like how am I going to top that? 
You know yeah. what I mean? Because only because I mean, obviously, with, with, see, the second album was still amazing too. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just so, so, so it's just kind of like she's just a different breed. But there are certain artists that are like when you when you really get off to a fast start, you're kind of like setting yourself up for kind of maybe a harder journey. Yeah, and I think he set himself up for a great long journey, longevity yeah. in this rap career. And then yeah, being from North Carolina, I think he, yeah, you could tell he's from um, NC for Charlotte, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I'll get into our next review with Naomi Sharon's "Another Life" and Celestial uh, um, review after um, last week, uh, a couple weeks weeks ago, announcement of, of Drake announcing Naomi Sharon as the first um, female signing to his OVO label. She dropped two tracks produced by 40 another life kind of has an ambient burial uh, uh, burial ballad feel to it and, and celeste feels kind of a low-key type of track as well and has an interlude type of feel to it um but, but what were your thoughts on, on these you know two tracks from her and, and you know what she can do going forward wait she with ovio yeah, yeah that, that's first that's drake's first um female signing You, you know, <laughs> why? I mean, a, a few years ago when he when he had that that rapid radar interview, there he was talking about how he wanted to bring a female to the label. So I think this is something that he had kind of been wanting to do for a while now. That's a terrible decision. <clears throat> really terrible decision. Did not like her music. She literally sounds like an artist he already has on his label. I don't think he's still on it. Plaza. Okay. I get that. And I don't like Plaza. Yeah, yeah, this was trash. Both of them was trash. I mean, it's mediocre. Mm-hmm. He must be, uh, never mind. <laughs> Certified lover boy. Gotta be. I'm, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. It was, I mean, he said, she sounds like Plaza, a woman Plaza. Like, literally. Like, vibe. A repeat of somebody else. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you already got that. Mm-hmm. Like, go get somebody else. Yeah, I don't. That's why I was like, wait. And then I looked down and it says OVO Sound. Mm-hmm. Yo, that was. She might have she dropped something else because that wasn't it. Mm-mm. Man, I kind of wish she would have signed Cecily. I don't know who that is, but that The Without You. The Without You singer. The one that you thought had the gospel track. <laughs> oh! Yeah, he should have signed her. Yeah. Somebody, but this ain't it. She, yeah, it's mediocre. It's it's literally mediocre. Like unless she brings something else to the table, this is this is mediocre. I mean, it may be, it may be that that she brings something else, but um, two kind of similar sounding tracks. I feel like that was the the, the critique I had of it because it kind of just it just felt like two two identical tracks. Like there wasn't a lot of diversity with it. Maybe I got to listen to like her music prior to that, but I just don't understand where he was going with this. Like, I understand Majid Jordan, mm-hmm. obviously Party, yeah. obviously Love McConan for that small stint. Um, Ob was on the label, but he doesn't rap anymore. Like, I understand most of, most of the, the signings, right? Mm-hmm. This one I don't get, and I'm with all of the signings. Yeah, all the signings have been great. Listen to them. I still listen to Ob Ob Brian. His old stuff like uh Steve Nash. Shout out to homie Steve Nash. Um there's a bunch of other other songs that he had before he stopped rapping. But man, yeah, this one it, and yeah, like now that you said it, it does both of them sounded exactly the same. Like this yeah. was supposed to be an EP or something. Right. Maybe it was an EP. 
but it says single. Yes. You got two songs. <laughs> two singles. Which were not singles. <laughs> Forgot to mention are, that. But these are project songs. These are definitely project songs. Um, but I mean, like, she does kind of... See, to me, she feels like the type of singer that would that would be great as a feature. But I don't know, like, on her own, she she's going to... Like, like you feel... Yeah, or or even that. Like, do you? Because because another thing is like, I think that the songwriting could could have been improved as well. Like, like, do you, were there if there were things that that you would say that that kind of need to be worked on the most? Like, what, what would be some of those things that you think can, could be could be improved on? Songwriting, um, it's just backup vocals. Like it was just literally a mediocre, like just somebody who's just starting out. That's what it sounds like. I mean, yeah. obviously your production is gonna be it's crazy because you got, you know, Noah and yeah. all these other other guys. Yeah, I mean your mix and master is gonna be phenomenal, but this is a mediocre put play add song. Something to it. Yeah. yeah, you yeah, this I don't know what she needs to be approved or improve on, but yeah, bro, this wasn't it, bro. Yeah. When you like have just like, production like that, you gotta enhance it. You, you you really you really you really have to. No, you got Noah Shabib. Yeah, you got you got forty. You got forty in there. Come on, forties forties going crazy, <laughs> and then you're just like <laughs> not not adding anything to it. So nothing, not adding nothing to it, bro. Yeah. It's craziness, man. Um, and now getting to our next review with J Cole's uh, procrastination um uh, uh broke song and this was a kind of a huge moment for a youtube producer of uh, the who has been you know grinding for a long time making tight beats that are are very good and j cole took notice and hopped on one of his beats which which turned into this song um you know this track has a smooth and old school type of sound with, with its beat structure um cole obviously comes you know with inspired raps and lets us know how many songs he is you know stashed stashed away and how thankful he is for success but um what, what were your thoughts on cole you know giving a major shout out and opportunity to to a to a youtube producer and making this a song I thought, I mean, uh, Batman is already a fire producer. I've used a bunch of his beats as well. Like, he's been a fire producer. So I was like, well, that's because he, he does. When you look up YouTube, he has almost all the J. Cole beats or J. Cole type beats. Yeah. So, I mean, he's always been a phenomenal producer. He has that. He, yeah, he's just, fun, he's just a great producer. But I thought of the song, I thought it was it was it was a typical freestyle vibe not a freestyle but you know vibed out just a just a you know him just putting pen to the pay what he does best yeah. like being able to vent i think he's one of the best venters oh yeah in the game and he's he's so um transparent in his music obviously he's been doing that from like you know different stages of his career especially uh with multiple albums that he's had but i thought it was really dope i thought he touched on a lot of stuff like and you know, still like he's at the, the peak of his career and still being, you know, you know, holding accountability to himself as an artist. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of artists don't do that. I don't, especially when you're at the, you're a top tier artist. Yeah. Do you still hold yourself accountability or do you feed into what people tell you? So I, that's what I love about J. Cole. He's so transparent. He holds himself accountable as an artist. Like it's so much stuff I want to still do that I'm not yeah. doing that I should do. So, I, yeah, man, his transparency is, is really cool. And, you know, especially when he did Forest Hill, letting the people come to his old house and listen to the album while they're there. Yeah. Like that, that, that connectivity. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. That relatability that he has, man. Because 
How how many times you like, man, I know I should be doing this. I know I'm capable of doing this, but I'm not doing this. I'm not holding myself accountable. Right. And that's yeah, like that's relatable. Man. So yeah, he's he's definitely one of the best venters in the game. You ever had. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and, and and I mean, but before we get to our last review, this is obviously this this is this is this is Grammy night. There's a lot of rap albums that, that have been nominated. Um Kendrick's um Miss Miranda the Big Steppers, uh, Pusha T, It's Almost Stride, uh, uh, DJ Khaled's album, Jack Harlow's and Futures, I Never Liked You. Like, like out of those rap albums, which one would you say? I feel like I already know what the answer is going to be, but, but which one would you say should be the overall winner? I, was, I, I didn't want to interrupt you because I was like, <laughs> it better win. Yeah. K, K-Dot. Kendrick. Yeah, Kendrick too. Best sure. album, bro. From top to finish, bro. Top yeah. to finish. I'm still untouched to me. Definitely, uh, I, and I mean, like, like that. That's how upset are you going to be if Pusha T wins? Bro, <laughs> his voice annoys me, and it's not because of the Drake thing. I've never been like a big Pusha T fan, mm. even before that. Like, bro, your voice is annoying. Like, it's two songs I like you on, and it's like a thousand other people on them. Um, mm. uh, 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 Mercy. Mm-hmm. Lamborghini Mercy, yeah, right. that one, and then uh, he was his voice was just ha ha, ha. <laughs> that's all the thing. <sighs> Push it, <sighs> like bro, that's all it. You're yeah. not really on it, on it, but no, I don't like his voice. Like on Nigos album, he has like four songs on Nigos. I skipped them, skip them all. Oh the time. my goodness, every single time. <laughs> As soon as he comes on, like I got a uh the bowl song, like he got keys in a bowl, all my friends get I was like, skip, skip, skip. I'm yeah, nah, man. If Pusha wins, I'm don't who liked her his album? Alicia Keys says she loved he he had the best album. Girl, get out of here. Shit, I'm falling. You gonna fall, all right? <laughs> Talking about Pusha T got the best album. Girl, you got your mind. For for, for okay, the last Last for the category we're talking about. Best rap song they got Pushing P with Future Young Thug, Churchill Downs, Drake, Jack Harlow, God Did, you know, the the <laughs> the song everybody talks about, <laughs> Wait For You, and then The Hard Part 5. Wait For You. Yeah, Wait For You is fire, man. Yeah, Wait For You is sure win. If Jack Harlow wins, bro, I have lost all. all. I mean, they don't have, they're not credible anyways. Grammys be like tripping anyways, but if Jack Harlow wins, bro, I'm out of here. Ooh, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> bro, that's crazy. But nah, yeah, yeah. yeah I wait for you, Shibby, because that's the most. That yeah, love that song. You can play that anytime, any moment. Yes, you can play it in the club. That took play, over no. the whole summer. That took over. I mean, that, it came came yes. at, it came here in the spring, but that took over the whole summer. That's the only song I listened to on Future album. Oh. <laughs> Future's album. I never liked you. Same. I said I never liked this. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, until you own it today, man. <laughs> You ate your weedies today? Well, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Got up a little early. Got up a little early. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up a little early. Went on a jog, you know. Have a morning coffee. Morning coffee for sure. <laughs> um, but, but, but now getting into our last few with Little Brothers of Listening. Um, in this album back in 2003, this is a project that kind of, you know, continues to shape hip hop as it, you know, had the melodic marriage of singing and rapping that, that Fonte had perfected. Um, it, it kind of stands as a crucial model in instructing today's MTs on how to be more versatile and original. Um, and, and this is like 
even looking back at 2011 when Drake won Songwriter of the Year, he mentioned Fonte as like one of his inspirations and not, not many people knew what he was talking about then. But like when you look at it, he has the this this album had the perfect um, marriage of melodic singing and rapping as well. And even artists like Drake knew from the jump that because they worked together on the comeback season, a few songs of the comeback season. Mm-hmm. And this is like the type of music where it was really ahead of its time. Um, the songwriting's incredible. The interludes, all of that, it just flows really well. But but what were your initial thoughts on it? Uh, looking back at it as it's it's, it's approaching its twenty year anniversary. Yo, yo, this is hip hop, bro. Like especially when you look, you hear for you, bro. That just bouncy, just yeah, bro, just old school. Not even old school, but just like hip hop. It, I don't know. It feels like call. It just warms. It just warm me up. Like just like listen to this. Like I listen to I the whole album. Through. Yeah, straight no through. Just chill out. I could. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing. This is a bro, and he be spitting like the voices, the the production. The this is an inspiring just, album, man. This yeah, bro. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm gonna get back to doing. Just like just straight hip hop. Boom, pap. Just like this, yeah. This really gave me like inspiration. Like, yo, bro, you can do it. You can yeah. do it. Like, I mean, the, the the sequencing and everything, like, like, because we talk about so many times where interludes aren't placed in the right spot and shorts, mm-hmm. you know, the, the skits and the snippets that they had. Like, what does that tell you about you know an artist and their producer? Just like vision of the album when they were able to place all those things and sequencing together perfectly. I mean, you, you got to be able to just like sit down and really map out what you're trying to do for your album. I'm pretty sure they put a lot of man hours to be able to just put this body of work and it stream together very perfectly. I think they have a good team around them, good people that were like, OK, I think this should be moved here. I think people yeah. will be like you could like take a little break here. Like it's just like I think they mapped it out really well when it comes to do putting this entire 18 song album together like i don't know if it's just them two or them just the group or that they have outside people how many people listen to it but whoever listened to whoever gave them feedback or if it's just them they did a phenomenal job just putting this together because everything flowed together i didn't get bored they gave me a break with within the within the album like you know give your ears because at a certain point your ears you can't have the same type of music in your ears, and I'd be like, okay, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Never, never was a thought, never happened. They gave the ears a break. Like, those are per this is a perfect album. Each song went it's together. Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it was a perfect album. Bars, like, I think it was like three or four songs you could play on a radio, especially back in 2002 and 2003, for sure. Back in that, that era of music, definitely was played on the radio. So, right. everything checks boxes, perfect album. Yeah, man, this is this is really dope. This was this was fire. This this is this is a masterpiece. I mean, the fact that, like you said, it's it's just it's hip hop. It's pure hip hop. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's nothing more like that to describe it as just it's pure it's pure hip hop. And what they're the fact that they're also bringing just authentic bars in it and everything flows together so well. It's it's, it's just it's just a masterful um, body of work. We're gonna take a quick break and be right back with our tar review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our TAR review. To start off with the overview, TAR is a 2022 psychological drama film written and directed by Todd Field and starring Kate Blanchett. The film follows fictional composer and conductor Lydia TAR, 
on the supporting cast includes Nina Haas, Naomi Merlon, Sophie Carr, and Julian Glover. Uh, Tar premiered at the 79th Venice International Film Festival in September 20, uh, in September 2022, where Blanchett won the Volpe Cope for Best Actress. Um, it had a budget of $35 million and brought in $10.1 million into the box office. It also has a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and Kate Blanchett won uh, Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama at the 80th Golden Globe Awards. Um, but, but looking at this film, like, like what, what were your initial thoughts on it, kind of being one that had, you know, um, a really stellar performance from Kate Blanchett and also, you know, how this movie kind of riffs brilliantly on the side of uh, a fame fueled power? I thought this film was an interesting one. I don't, I don't know. It's certain movies about the arts that I'm not completely drawn to um, immediately, right? And then, I don't know. I don't like how it just starts and we're introduced by her character right off the back, right? Because if you're going to arts, I want to, like, it's just like her introduces her on the stage, like she's the conductor, how brilliant she is. And then actually, no, I actually like that. Cause she was a terrible person. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, was this a is terrible a person. person. <laughs> actually, I get that. It just me, us, you see, you gotta talk it out with somebody. When I watched it, I didn't really talk about it with anybody. But I do like that because they build her up in her personality, her in innerwardness tore her down and only a few people knew who she really was especially with all the the affair and her trying to delete emails and stuff but i thought it, i thought it was i thought it was a, a, a i thought it was good enough that was a yeah. good enough film i mean 35 million budget when you bring 10.1 million dollars but she won a lot of awards for it though a lot of awards man like she and she's i think she's already like won two maybe one or one or two oscars in the past so she's mm-hmm. she's she's obviously like a, a yeah. um a familiar familiar winner at the Oscars and a lot of you know um award shows um and, and like like to me like this is this is one of those movies early on like you said how she gets brought in um the dramatic nature of it I don't know why this is like my favorite movie from last year <laughs> this is this is the type of movie that I, that I like because it, it's like it has it has that like kind of like dark artistic feel to it and, and it feels like every scene is pivotal to leading up to to, to to the actual end point but um getting to our first topic you know from one to four stars uh what would you give it uh what would be your particular rating i get two and a half oh my goodness i'm sorry Wellington. Goodness, i know i, I give it a two and a half <laughs> i mean i didn't really like how it was shot Okay. Yeah, and I I knew that was gonna be a deduction. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like the character development for most characters. Um but I do like that it it highlighted more of the art side. So we we always yeah. get like in even in culinary, the, the greatest chefs, the greatest people are buttholes, but that's the that's the 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 what's come within that particular, you know, art, right? Culinary arts. Mm-hmm. You gotta be, you gotta be tough. You gotta be arrogant. You gotta be different, right? It, it doesn't even in performing arts when it when it comes to music. Most of those conductors are buttholes, and it showed that everybody kissed up to her. That she had her own agenda. She had an appetite. She definitely had an appetite in this one. She wanted everything she wanted. She got, you know. 
but it wasn't the character development wasn't as strong as I would like it to be. And then the shooting, the some shooting of the out. greatest artists are the worst people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's just it's just like I I love that realistic nature of it because like that really is how it is. Like you can be a mm-hmm. brilliant performer, a brilliant conductor in so many performing arts, but as an everyday person, you're not really likable. Right, Steve Jobs. I didn't watching those multiple movies that was about him. He was terrible person terrible but he he know how to sell a product <coughs> yeah that's one of the one of beloved products ever on america i mean and, and, and i mean no global right mm-hmm. but he was a terrible person treated people terrible like you know so it's just like dang but it does have a realistic link nature and i do like how they highlighted that at perform arts which you could because you will never think that would happen like mm-hmm. you never think that goes on like even her try to push out one of the older gents who I guess their ear wasn't as strong as it used to be, as she would say, as she said. Right. Yeah. So it was just like, yeah. you know, this politics that goes into uh, performing arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, 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 feel, I mean, this is this is a, a movie I, I, I love a lot. And, and being objective, I would probably give it a three and a half just because, like, if you, if you go outside of Kate Blanchett, this movie probably doesn't hold up as much without her performance and what she's doing. Um, I mean, to me, it still is riveting. It, it goes it goes against the current and how it dissects the lives of power and, it, and it's cast through a character that's, you know, equally sorted and fascinating, was done really well. Um, but now getting into favorite character, I would go with, with Francesca Lentini because she had a pivotal role as Car- Tar's assistant and inspired conductor and, you know, how tirelessly she worked for Lydia because she was motivated to be her consistent inductor. Like that, was something that was kind of kind of that that push and pull of like okay this is something I want but I'm also not getting the immediate respect and you know you know just upgrade and and and, and position that I really crave but 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 to you like overall who's your favorite character got to be Lydia mm-hmm. got to be Lydia the star of the show one that was a double sided people saw her as a a phenomenal conductor bring the, the best out of people but she was one of the worst, not worst, but she was just a terrible person inside and that she had her flaws and she tried to hide those flaws, but she pointed out other people's flaws. Like she was a double standard, a walking double standard. Yeah. The only character development was her character. Now I'm saying, I mean, Kate Blanchett had a, had a, a role in bringing this character out more, but mm-hmm. nobody other character had the character development that needed to bring this movie for me to be like a four-star movie. Right. Yeah, and that's and that's to me that's the only thing that's keeping it from being four stars because I feel as though if you're a four star film, you at least got to have one other actor or actress that's at your same level. You know what I mean? Like it just can't be like a one a one man show. Um, as much as I, as I love the movie, there was nobody else on the same level or playing field as Kate Blanchett. She was she was you know, I, I put putting up putting up a perfect performance, but nobody else really was kind of bring bring the, 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 the same level of output, but. When you look at movies that that have like that are artistic types, musicals in a sense, or like ones with focusing on composers, like what do you think is the biggest challenge? Because like you said, the film wasn't shot the way you kind of would prefer it, but what do you think is the biggest challenge to like putting movies like that together and really like getting the job done? When when it comes to like shooting performance arts films or like with con- big conductors or just like any of a jazz thing, there is it's all about the angles. And, and all about yeah. using the different strands of that character, like pan placement, like close-ups, 
hero, like different shots to bring it out because obviously we were listening to it for the music, obviously. And then just bringing that, that cinematic element out of the instruments. Like it's one film that I was telling you right before the podcast and I can't remember the name of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to look it up here shortly, but I love how it was shot, especially the, the last scene. It was the big, big, like big hurrah because the whole film he couldn't get this down how they how they cut to the difference the the beating of the drum like just like bringing that like you're there like the slow motion the, it's just like shot so beautifully the sweat drops the blood that's dripping like it's just that bringing you closer to how intense this moment is this is the moment he worked his whole entire career for fighting the conductor doing all these things to survive him being slandered about his mom being this like and this is the the final moment i was there because it drew you in like that's the that's the shooting like if if she's conducting like i need like it's flowing off her 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 clothing like it's just like yeah bro just bring it out bring it out and don't be afraid of shooting more than you need to shoot. But I think this movie, I mean, it could have been so much better if it was shot better. Like it was that, and, it, and that brings character development too. Yeah. The, that brings it out. I mean, so yeah, I just, it just missed, it missed a lot for me. But I do think, I mean, obviously Lydia's character was, was beautifully, um, yeah, she was a star. I think it, it, her character development was, was really good because when you first come onto the movie, you say, okay, she's just, oh, she's dope. She's moving. She's pop locking. And it's then, the name of the movie. Tar is the name of the movie. So it's, <laughs> and then she, you reveal how this person is just human. Like she does these great things, but she's still human. But I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. But bring more of that out with the, mm-hmm. with the cinematic. It's just with the shooting. Definitely. Um, and now getting into most of the scenes, I had uh, uh, this is my score. Also, the lecture scene, which was the most infamous one, because it you know had mm. the, the viral moment with her and the student um getting into an argument, apartment for sale, and then finally you cannot start without me, where you know Tara is being interviewed about her creative process and an upcoming performance. Um, but what, what were maybe one or two of the memorable scenes uh, you have for this one? I had one that was when she was arguing. What you just said, arguing with the um. With a student, and she starts singing "Apartment for Sale," "Apartment for Sale." Your mother's buried deep, and now you like. I'm like, bro, wait, hey, yo, like, what's going <laughs> on here? And he just realized, like, yo, this is who she really is. Yep. But this is what made her so great. Character yeah. development, because sometimes you gotta go to the worst parts of yourself. And make like, and that'll catapult you to stardom. Like she's a great. I'm not taking anything away from a conductor. Like mm. you know, um, Bill Cosby. You know, uh, great guy. What he did in the community, whatever. But he was just a just a human being, right? And it goes wrong. James Brown, Martin Luther King, whatever he did. But he was promiscuous, and he was just you know a womanizer. So it was just like those that human element and I, I mean i hope i'm not I, well that's true he was a woman it's it's true <laughs> yeah martin luther king was a womanizer but i mean yeah. what you see those like they're so great but they're human at the same time right. and that's the same thing with lydia she was that was that scene that really like solidified like yo she's such a t- <laughs> but that's who she is but she's great people love her not because of her personality but what she brings to the table as a conductor how she brings the music together how she how she uh 
compiles music. I don't know. Yeah. You 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 puts all the pieces together. <laughs> there, there we go. Thank you, Willis. As always. <laughs> um, and, and now getting to most memorable quotes, I had uh, "Don't be so eager to be offended." Yep. Unfortunately, the architect of your soul appears to be social media. Um, you want to dance the mass, you must uh, service the composer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lydia Tar is many things. Time is the thing. Time is the essential piece of interpretation. Also, so it's physical as well as emotional. And then finally, um, there's no limit to the different kinds of feelings music can make you have. Yeah. Uh, I mean. To me, like the quotes are even may even be some of the best parts of the entire movie because I feel like the dialogue in here we we, we can talk about how it was shot and certain um surrounding characters, but the dialogue in here was very like gripping and there were and that was like one of the focal points of the entire film. Um, but to you, like what what were some of the memorable quotes in here for you? Um, even within her personality, I think a little light of who she used to be sprouts out right just sprouts out in different spurs especially when she was talking to max um when he's like you're an f and b and she's like you and you're a robot and she was like there's no glory for a robot elliot oh no not hold on wait wait is it elliot or max i think it was there there was, there was tied together but she said there's yeah. no glory for a robot do your own thing right mm-hmm. Yeah. Time is the thing. Like she gave gems within that, and I think it made me not hate the, her character all the same because she did. Like even when like you look at chefs like Jordan Ramsey, he's like his his Westcom his 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 mentor was like that, but he gave him gems. But yeah, you could be arrogant, you could be this way, you could do this, but you still have to teach and bring people up. I think she did give gems. I did think she gave good advice at certain points of the movie. That's why I didn't hate the character as much. It's so realistic. Mm. Like, do your own thing. Do not, do not be a robot. Do not just do what everybody else does. Be different. Do your own thing. Like, that's that's a beautiful advice from a, a, a decent human being. I'm not going to say she's terrible anymore. A decent human being. So I love their interactions. Yes, okay, I'm going to be whatever, and you're a robot. At least I'm different, right? At least I, at least I, I did this thing that got me to this point. What are you doing? You're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. Don't do that. Do your own thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't hate her character. <laughs> this was a complex character. This was yes. a complex. I mean, because the more, like you said, when you watch the movie by yourself, you're thinking, you're having all these thoughts. But when you're just in it later on when you're actually conversing about it with with somebody else and, and, and doing a review of it, you start start thinking about like, what did I like? What what didn't I like? What made what was driving because this was a person who was driven by a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when she got back on 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 the set and bumped off the conductor and said, you know, this is my score, she yes. she was possessive. She was possessive. Yes. Like that and that's one of the that's one of the most, you know, uh, notable scenes of the entire movie. Like she's possessive. Like she's like, this is mine. Like this is this is nobody else's but mine. So that 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 she that said, really combined. You effing little nothing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yo, yeah, yeah. See, she has an appetite. She definitely has an appetite. She, mm-hmm. this is my thing, you know. But right. they respected her for it. They didn't like her, but that's the thing. You, I'm not here to, to be liked. I'm not here to no. You're gonna respect what I do, right? And and that's it's so realistic. That's why I said her character was the only character that they set out to be like, okay, we're going to have different strands of this within this character. And Kate Blanche can bring that out with her acting. So yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. Her, her character was definitely by far carried this whole film. 
Definitely. They just needed one more. Just that's, one more that's, character. That's the only one thing. Just one more person to put up an A-level performance. That was it it. could have been an assist. her assistant. They could have gave her assistant more. I think the assistant could have done more. Yeah. The assistant could have Because you could tell she could have put up a, a, a yes. really high-level performance. Because she could have been her easily. Because she was that gifted. Yes. So, yeah. Ah, you miss out. I hope they, ah, you miss out on that, man. Yeah. They could have made it a four star. Um, and now getting into what kind of what did you like the most about the storyline? T- to me, just you know how the sign, how the sound design and the score by um, a Hilder a Guanatier were almost characters in the film and kind of fit the story where so much depended on, on what is heard mm-hmm. about you know tone and tempo. Like the score in this movie had to go along with what was actually being played out and portrayed. Um, but to you, like what particular element of this storyline did you kind of like the most? I like the realistic nature of all the arts. This is what happens. This is what it takes. Are you are you going to be a robot or can you can you get outside your own self and be something you don't want to be to be successful? And I think that's what this film really said. Like I'm sure she wasn't like that when she first started doing music, right? And then to be able to get to that point, you gotta, you gotta do things you don't want to do. You gotta step outside. You gotta, you gotta feed into it, right? Yeah. But then she gives you gems. I, I love that realistic nature. That's that's so realistic. I know a bunch of media guys are douchebags, but they'll give you some gems. They'll they will they will give you good advice. But that's mm-hmm. how they got to that point. Yeah. It, it, it's I something love that. that it, absolutely um and, and 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 before we get to the to, to the last topic like like we the one reoccurring thing we've mentioned is just like how we feel as though that assistant could have like even had a better performance like like when a director is kind of they have a star they have somebody they're focused on do you feel mm-hmm. as though sometimes it's even though they don't want it to happen this way they can kind of like get lost in the shuffle of just focusing on the central character who's the biggest person in the movie but also kind of like forgetting hey to a- actually elevate this to a certain status we got to bring up somebody else on the outside to, to, to really kind of equal the movie i don't know about all films but f- particularly this film i think they they missed that opportunity because if she had any type of protege or hidden protege it was her assistant and to be able to get to her a point she was willing she had to care if they would have brought this out she had the characteristics to be just like lita Lydia. She did everything Lydia did. She she knew what she had to do to get to that point to be her assistant. She was willing to do right. anything. Develop that. Bring that out. Give her a little side of her life. Just like bring that character out just a little bit. Have some friction between the two. Even when they was deleting emails about her affair, like bring some of that. I don't want to delete the emails. Use that as blackmail. Come on. It was easily it was right there. It was, it was right, right there. there. <laughs> Put, be, me, be your assistant and I'll delete the emails. Simple writing. Bring it out. That could have made the film. But I don't know if they, it would have took away from what they were trying to do, but I do think it would enhance the film. Right. Absolutely. I think it would have did that. Um, and now getting to our, to our, to our last topic, Teenage Mutant Ninja still think it'll be watchable and intriguing. This is a, obviously a really current movie. Um, it, it is being nominated uh, in the Oscar category. Mm-hmm. It's getting a lot of awards. And, and and I think, like, this is a movie that's, like I say, Kate, Kate Blanchett, she's, she's a defining actress of this generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, any movie she's she's in that's that, that's award-driven, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get views for years to come. I, I think this is the type of movie that, obviously, you have to settle into it. 
and it's gonna it's gonna get your attention from the jump. Even though mm-hmm. we have mentioned th- the fi- certain deficiencies of the movie, this is one that's gonna get your attention from the jump. It's to me like this was a obviously a super long film, but it was one that was hard for me to, to go away from because like like you said, there are there are moments that are that are extremely penetrating, just very you know gripping and, and and really get to the point. Um, to you, how do you feel like this movie will age another decade from now? This is going to age pretty good, I think. Um, yeah. Just for just Kate Blanchett's career, I think this was a role you definitely take at the t- like. Not I want to say the tail tail career because she's played in so many films. She's brought so many characters. I I love her in Benjamin Button. Oh my gosh, yeah, I love her in Benjamin Button. Um, but yeah, I think this is definitely a film she does at the tail end of her career, just like the more so at the end, not in the beginning, because I don't think she would have had the ability to bring this character out the way she did, because now you have a bunch of other uh, roles under your belt. That's kind of not similar, but still just a tight similar. I think this in Benjamin Butter, because she was a dancer, she was a ballet instructor, but she wasn't as uh, vile as she was in this. But I think her having that, she, I think she was, and she did ballet when she was younger for real. I think something like that I, I read, but that she's used to that. She knows that. Now I could bring that to life or what I probably experienced in the ballet because ballet is tough too. Black Swan? Oh my gosh. That's yeah. real, by the way. That stuff that goes in ballet and people being jealous and yo, that's real. Performing arts, man. I'm telling you, it's crazy in here, man. So <laughs> I feel like she was at the right time of her career to being us out. And then obviously she's getting the accolades that come in right behind it. And then if they just they missed out. This film would have did even better if they would just I developed another character. Just develop yeah. another character. And I will continue to say that. But no, man, yeah. This I think it will be intriguing to watch. Ten years from now, I don't know. But five years, I think so. Like yeah. another five years, I think people will be watching it. And then after that, I think it'll wane. Yeah, it, it, it's it's one that man, it, this is say what you want. This is this is a fascinating film because I think anytime we can talk about um, how good a film could have even been, how how much a film could have even been better with surrounding parts and a certain and a certain assistant, like that just shows you how, like like the the potential of the film and, and the heights it, it, it definitely could have reached if it, it would have been you know uh, uh, went into that extra gear. But um, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host for the Burns on my kind of bar, Save by Morris. This has been Full Scope.